What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to episode number 136 of the VK Bros with the VK Bros. Uh, coming at you on a Saturday night. Uh, I've got bags for days. I don't know if you guys can see. I I might be a little bit doughy tonight. I, th- I think I've complained about that at the start of every episode in the last couple of weeks. But yep. Yep, but I've been uh, waking up sort of multiple times a night for Jake lately, which has been fun. Started today at 5.15 this morning when he decided he was ready to get up for the day. Uh, worked half the day and been out in the afternoon, and uh, it's been a big one. So, uh, luckily, today is mainly in Alex's uh, wheelhouse, <laughs> so he can he can drive the conversation today. How you going? Well, well, first first of all, in complete and total contrast to what you've had, I had one of those naps at two o'clock this afternoon where I woke up in a different dimension. Yeah, <laughs> it was so deep. The, the sleep was so deep. You can still see it in my hair, like how bad. The, yeah, the, yeah. The I've forgotten was. what those naps are like. Yeah, I literally woke up and like, oh, like where am I? It was one of those. Yeah, nice. Soon and though, that, uh, always soon. that uh, drip of saliva on the pillow. Ah, uh, yeah. Been out of it. Yep. The only saliva drips on my pillow I get are from the kids. Yeah, um, but no. The, okay, the, so. If oh, you, you think right. like if you think that's bad, if you think that's bad, we could potentially be at the end of the world. And when I say the end of the world, I mean the end of the financial world. Yeah, yeah. So there's some big, big news. But I want before I just come shot with the good stuff. <laughs> there was a little bit of lead up into this. Mm-hmm. So first of all, uh, Binance just all of a sudden a couple of weeks ago. I I have like a bit of a, a method that I go through with my Binance app, which is I have a bunch of coins, mm-hmm. crypto coins, that I use their Binance's earn function to find places to stake them to make more coins. Yeah. Now, in the height of it, I was making, like when, when the crypto market's really high, I think at one period I was making like 70 or $80 a day just mm-hmm. from staking. Yep. And then at the low point, I was making about 60, 70 cents a day. Mm-hmm. It's still worth doing it. And, and why you have to manage it is because you might have set staking limits for like 120 days. And when the 120 days runs out, it gets credited back to your spot wallet. So you have to go back into your spot wallet and find another investment product to go into. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. I was trying to do it and it just says, no, due to our terms and conditions, you can't do it. Mm-hmm. That's weird. And then I texted a friend. I'm like, do you know about this? And he goes, oh, I heard them talking about it, but I haven't seen anything about it. I'll try it on mine. Oh, yeah, no, mine doesn't work. I jump on Twitter. A lot of people in the Australia and the UK are saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. So we go and read the terms and conditions. And it turns out that Binance doesn't have an Australian finance license, which I was very surprised by. Right. They are registered with Austrack. Mm-hmm but they have no financial services license, okay? Now, I know that there was a court case in America. The SEC, and we've said it on this show before, the SEC is really, really, really clamping down on crypto. Yep. They're ramping it up, especially after the FTX fall. Mm -hmm. There seems to be a bit of conspiracy theory around this now that maybe that the whole thing was supposed to happen. Because the FTX crash. Yeah. Yeah, yes, to justify yes. str- stronger regulation. Stronger regulation. You had said it too before. Like, you kind of nailed a different approach, which was 
basically trying to destroy the middle class. Mm. The whole thing about crypto is that the you don't need to be rich to invest. Yep. So it was a great way to effectively remove billions of dollars out mm. of uh, out of the middle class. Yep. And Sam Bankman-Fried has got very close ties to. He was the figurehead for the new regulation within the SEC. Mm-hmm. And when he was talking to them, and all us crypto guys are listening to what he was saying, like, wait a, wait a minute, man, you're you're spruiking Ponzi schemes, and you're saying that decentralized systems are bad for the like you, you've actually got it the wrong way around. So we realized he was a bad dude. Yeah, yeah, and he was Turns in bed we didn't with both sides of politics too. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. So that was a little bit of a that was a little bit of a kind of a shot across the bow when Binance did that part. Then after that, we had. Silvergate. Now, we spoke about Silvergate last week, didn't we? I don't think we did. Okay, it might have happened that... I think it happened in the meantime, didn't it? Right, okay. So, Silvergate is a bank in America. Uh, it is... What was unique about Silver Silvergate is that it was very crypto-friendly. They effectively were, they built an ecosystem where you could bank 24-7 like you can with crypto. So the problem with having a banking system plug into a crypto system is that crypto's going 24-7. Banks go Monday to Friday, 9 to 5. Yeah. 9 to 4, I think. So they don't mesh. Like half half, or more than half the time, you cannot transact. So if, if the value of something went up, you actually couldn't off-ramp your funds. Yeah, yeah. Now, crypto made a... They solved the problem themselves by creating stable coins. So in the old days, when you wanted to sell at a high price, you would sell your crypto for whatever your currency is. So yeah. if you're in Australia, you'd sell for Australian dollars. Okay, if you're in America, you'd sell for US dollars and you'd lock in that profit. Mm-hmm. But like I said, because because the banking system uh, failed, they wanted, or sorry, failed uh, the in terms of user interface, crypto, some of the developers out there built stable coins. And a stable coin was a coin that was pegged to the American dollar, yep. okay? So these are such things as US Tether, uh, USDC, USC, BUSD. There's a bunch of them, right? Most of the big uh, crypto exchanges have their own stable coin, okay? Yeah. Now, a Silvergate was able to kind of give the best of both worlds and say, all right, we realize a lot of people want to invest in crypto and they want to invest and divest their money. So let's give them a gateway. We'll build the infrastructure so that we can have banking go 24-7. So that was great. Mm-hmm. Well, they got wiped out. Uh, it must have been, it must have been the day, it must have been Monday. And I'll just pull up, uh, put it here. So more than 70 billion is wiped off crypto markets in 24 hours as Bitcoin drops 8%, a new two-month low, after key crypto lender Silvergate became the other bank to collapse this week. Okay, so there's a bit of a clue. There is another bank that has failed uh, mm-hmm. this week. Now, it's big news because it's it's removed a very large on and off ramp for trying to get that guy's off the screen. Hey, uh, that's that's reigning MVP Nikola Jokic. He can be on right. the screen whenever he likes, bro. Right. Um, so it's pretty big news because there was a lot of people that 
would use their services, especially in the States. So, okay, so now, now remove Silvergate. You now have... Uh, uh, I'm in two minds. It's all embroiled. This whole this whole yeah. narrative that we've got at the moment is all embroiled. So when I was trying to build like a, a map of how this story should go, I found it really difficult because it's all intertwined. So look, I'm not... I got to admit, um, we we only really made the decision yesterday to start. There was some. There's a lot of financial stuff going on in the world at the moment, and everyone everyone is probably expecting us this week to talk about all of the COVID stuff, which has just been coming out thick and fast. And there's like mm. leaks every day, and all of a sudden, um, Congress in America seems to be doing things about it. Guys, th- it's a distraction. COVID's over. Like the COVID yeah. heist is done. MRNA is not over. MRNA will continue to propagate for years and years and years because that's the money maker. But COVID itself is done. And to give you an example of why I know it's done, uh, in America, I saw a stat uh, during the week, only 16.2% of Americans have had a booster. Yeah. So there you go. So they might, we might be on our fifth shot over here in Australia, but you've got to remember, we're 26 million people. We're small, small fries when it comes to this. The COVID is heist it, is done. Just on, just on that stat, wouldn't, a booster shot be anything after the first two yes so 16 percent of people have had a third shot that's right yeah so, so that so, is actually much tinier so so this fifth shot that we've got here it would be lucky if it was a, 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 an entire digit yeah exactly so mm-hmm. so i think like i said a lot of people are probably expecting us to talk about all, all this COVID stuff uh, this is not the story at the moment. And the story no. is far... This is going to be far bigger than what COVID was. Far bigger, far more wide-reaching. This is going to change the world as we know it. And it's been evolving literally every single day. But Well, I guess you can help me with this. So maybe maybe we can do... Well, one thing I want to do Let... as, a bit, as a bit of a, just oh, a, 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 an exploration on this. So mm. with Silvergate, what is now now sorry why did silvergate fall over much like most financial institutions they are over leveraged so mm-hmm. they haven't taken enough deposits mm-hmm. and they have they have borrowed too much money and then lent it out yeah and then you know you get a couple of defaults now that some of these uh, stocks are down deluxe yep and there's like a call on some of them they come they can't get the money out Yep. And uh, then they fail, right? Because when when you're explaining that before, without because I didn't really know how Silvergate worked and what what the benefit of Silvergate was. But the first mm-hmm. thing that came to mind for me is you were saying Silvergate's uh, their their selling point, the point of difference is that they were applying crypto fundamentals to the traditional banking system. In other yep. words, it means you can use a traditional banking system twenty four seven. Now, as a bank, that's a massive problem because banks make the majority of their money by trading with your money during the times that you're not allowed to use it. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm not surprised at all that Silvergate all of a sudden found itself in ruin because that is something that it directly challenges and flies in the face of the key profit driver of traditional retail banks. Yes. And also, too, it's very hard for retail investors, it's very hard to see what's happening 
after hours. Yeah. It's not as clear as, you know, there's all these trades that get made. You wake up in the morning, you're like, what do you mean? Like, why? how did it go from there to there at open? Yeah. And it's been a raw system, whereas whereas crypto is the complete opposite of that. It's very, yeah. very clear and transparent. You can and, track everything on chain and you can yeah. see it 24-7 and you can't just get burnt by a candle because yeah. you weren't allowed to trade. And it's frustrating too because a lot of these big institutions like banks have access to like um, pre-market trading. So for, for like for me, so I buy shares and my share platform only allows me to buy shares between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. every day. Yep. So no, when, Monday to Friday. Monday oh, sorry. Friday. Yeah, yeah. Monday to Friday. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. I should be more specific. Yeah. So when I know something is, is on the up because I've seen a news item, by the time I'm able to actually purchase that, it's already been bought out because all these big institutions can trade outside of those hours. So, yeah, it's very, very interesting that this particular bank was the first one to go pop. And I want to say this too. A lot of people say, well, at least all money in banks are protected under insurance. Mm. Now, there's a thing in America, I think it's called the FDIC. I don't know what it stands for. Federal something. Yeah. And it will it will cover bank deposits for federal, private entities. I think it's federal deposit insurance something. Yeah. Uh, but only up to $250,000. Yeah. And, and and let me come back to that in, in the next part of the story. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So I've got Silvergate. To me, Silvergate is very much uh, an attack on crypto. But mm-hmm. the fact that it's traditional banking at the same time kind of muddies the waters a little bit. Well, today we had another bank go down. Now that bank is called... That bank is called Silicon Valley Bank. Now, be- before we get into the actual story behind Silicon Valley Bank, you guys need to understand banks don't just fall over. When was the last time banks fell over? 2008. Yeah. The global financial crisis was the last time banks fell over. Mm-hmm. And if and if you look at like the Australian economy, the Australian economy is all based around the banking system. It, Everything they do is try to is to try to protect the banking system, because pretty much ever like you know your superannuation, all that stuff is dependent on having a strong banking sector. So if an Australian bank happened to fall over, our country's in big big trouble. Now we've had two now, two banks this, fall this over will, in a week. This will go. This will form in. There is no. I think an Australian uh, uh, okay. parallel to the story. Cool. All right. I'll let you continue. So Genevieve Rockdecter is this reporter who I found had the best Name. kind of uh, yeah had the best take on on uh, what happened. Yeah. Now I wanted to start with okay here <laughs> here is a little so there, there's those rate rises that you've hated the whole time. Okay, yep. and then you, we've seen what it's done to crypto. We've seen Alameda. Um, was now Alameda always should have gone down because it was literally just uh, meth addicts gambling with people's money. Yep. Uh, FTX was the same. Topple Silvergate over because a lot. So, okay, FTX. Sorry, Silvergate and Silicon Valley Bank. We think not confirmed, but we think had exposure to FTX, which means they had yeah. liquidity within it. So just to, when that fell, just for audio listeners to, to to describe in a bit more detail what Alex is referring to, uh, Alex has brought up a meme. And the meme is of uh, 
Is that Bernie Madoff? No, 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 no. That's the Fed chair. That's um. Oh, Jerome Powell. Sorry, Jerome Powell. So yeah. Jerome Powell is about to uh, play a game of dominoes, where you basically hit the domino, and then the domino pushes over all the other dominoes. But the dominoes get progressively bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So the first domino is Fed raises the rates because obviously that's the domino that he has access to. Then it's got crypto, then it's got Alameda, then it's got FDX, then it's got Silvergate, then it's got Silicon Valley Bank. And all of those subsequent dominoes, like, double in size, essentially. Now, let me just find... She does a great a great uh, breakdown of how... Okay, so... Sorry... Now, one of the things you said here, okay, only 2.7% of Silicon Valley bank deposits are less than $250,000. Right. So that means that FDIC coverage is only for two, will only cover 2.7%. Mm. And mind you, um, most of that will be paid by insurance company and then a lot of insurance premiums will go up. So people end, will end up paying for this regardless. Yeah. And if I pull up here... Uh, we want to see so SVB Financial Group is the last. So I've brought up a a uh, a graph of like the top one hundred banks listing how many uh, what percentage of their deposits are less than two hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah, and SVB Financial is second last. Wow, which right second last. Yeah, yeah, which means they have. They have only got whale investors in there. That's what that says to me. Yeah. And I had a quick look at that sheet to find if there was any other glaring um, indicators there. And the one, the one that was a bit concerning is ninety five, which is Citigroup. Citigroup's probably the the first really big bank that's on here that seems to be in the red with Q twenty two. Only fifteen percent of their of their people have under two hundred fifty thousand. Wow! So if yeah. you schedule to the whales now, the what? When interest rates are low, times are good. The rich get richer. They borrow like crazy. They grow. They expand. They yeah. They invest. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. They invest like crazy. Okay. Uh, now they also okay. Silicon and this this one I want. So I'll read out to you. Silicon Valley Bank just failed. Will contagion spread across the financial system? Let's take a deep dive. Wednesday, Silvergate announced it's ceasing operations. Thursday, Silicon Valley Bank stock crashes 60% as the bank scrambles to shore up liquidity. Friday, SVB fails. That's the stock ticket, is SVB. Fails, taken over by FDIC. It's been a horrible week for banks. Silicon Valley Bank just failed and FDIC is taking over. The bank attempted to raise capital and couldn't. Then they tried to sell to a larger bank and couldn't. Now, SVB has failed with the FDIC to attempt to salvage customer assets. Now, just know this. Your your funds aren't yours. If they're in the bank, they're not yours. They are up to, they're protected up to $250,000. Um, now, can I just say something to on this before we move on? Firstly, remember a few weeks ago, I said there was some noise in the um, around the traps about some sort of financial drama and I said it would probably be a good idea to try to take a little bit of cash out and just stash a bit of cash in the house just in case. Yep. Yep. So this is the sort of stuff that I, I had heard that there was something big coming and we're starting Especially to Especially if you've got money, because in Australia, like I've got a Citibank account. Yep. 
and City City Bank is only four spots ahead of what you know yeah. on the now, chart, albeit eight now, times. There's something less close. also important about this in Australia too, because back in 2017, Australia changed the laws to allow bail-ins for banks. Yes, yes. So this is key because what that means, like th- there's there's turmoil like already gone around the financial sector and banks will be freaking out. We've spoken before about the fractional reserve banking system and it's the reason why all these banks will eventually go under because they can basically lend out... Uh, 99 nine, times. Yeah, 99 times what they actually take in. And the idea is that as long as everyone doesn't come and want their money all at the same time, most banks will be fine. The problem is when two banks go down in a week, everyone starts to freak out and tries to go and get their money. Now, it's called a bank run. Yeah, that's right. And that's how these banks fail. And yet, but, since, since the fractional reserve system, you cannot have a bank run. But we're, previous to that, when we were on the gold standard and there was a bank run, it was simple because you it was... It had, Everything it was, was backed currency. by gold. That's right. Yeah. And But now the concerning thing is that if you've got money in a savings account with a bank, the laws have been changed in Australia. So everyone uh, who lived through the GFC would be aware of bailouts, which is where the government steps in and when banks are about to go under, the taxpayer foots the bill to make sure the banks stay solvent because obviously the whole system crumbles if the banks crumble. That's a bailout. What a bail-in is, is the bank is allowed to use any customer deposit that it's already got in its accounts to pay their bills. So they can just take your money off you and that's that's legal. So keep that and in mind. And just know as well that the reason why they're going under is through mismanagement. Yes, again, just like the GFC. Again. They exactly caused the, the GFC again. and they learned yeah. nothing. This like yeah. We're here, what, 15 years later, we're doing the same yeah. shit. Okay, so, so Genevieve continues. Uh, is this just the tip of the iceberg and how intertwined are all these banks? Many banks are facing the same problem. Their bond portfolios were locked in at low rates. As depositors withdrew money, banks may have to sell their bonds at a huge loss to come up with the money. If too many customers withdraw at once, the bank losses could be massive. Silicon Valley's problem started with a $1.8 billion loss on the sale of its AFS, available for sale, bond portfolio. Yep. Rumors swelled that SUV was facing huge interest rate risks on its $91 billion portfolio. This panic caused some customers to withdraw money. It's unclear how much at this point. Withdrawals feed the vicious cycle of selling bonds at a lower uh, at a loss to cover the outgoing deposits. Can you pause there for a second? Yep. So, so one of the things that I'd heard in where I was, I was being concerned about uh, something big happening in the financial sector. I can't remember where I heard it. It might have been on Redacted. Someone had some um, internal audio of a a big bank meeting where they were referring to some of these things that might be happening and they had concerns about bank runs. And what they were saying was, how can you uh, alert your uh, biggest investors, as in your whale customers, that there's potential issues without <laughs> letting right. the little people know? So in other words, right. we want to make sure the whales can come in and get their money because, hey... Once everything's over, we want them to bring their money back to us. They're the only important customers. And we'll pay them with everyone else's money who we don't tip off up front. So what my, my like one of my first questions that comes out of this is, okay, there's, there's obviously the panic and there was a bit of a bank run, but were, some, were these customers some of the big whales that were tipped off 
upfront? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And, and you know me, like where, where there's where there's the ability to be corruption, there is corruption. Yeah, Just know that. Yeah. Cool. So SVB theoretically had the assets to cover deposits, which they are legally obligated to do. But the real question was, how liquid are those assets? And can they be liquidated without causing massive losses? Turns out the answer to the last question was no. Please tell me that the majority of their uh, portfolio was in SVB coin, <laughs> which is their own <laughs> cryptocurrency. Well, no, this... Well, it's it's kind of the equivalent, and I don't know if she's going to go over it, but I'll say it now. Right. SVB Bank was all about investing in tech startups in yeah. Silicon Valley. Yeah. Okay, so when one goes big, you're laughing, but 99 of them go bad, right? Yeah. 99 of them default. So it's a very high-risk, high-reward... Uh, ecosystem to play in especially right. so with raising in a, in a interest way, rates in a way they were dealing in shit points yeah yeah exactly and we've okay. seen we've seen that like we've spoken about this recently as well where you'd remember you know probably five years ago there'd be all these memes going around the internet where it's like oh the the largest taxi company in the world doesn't own a single taxi as that's uber and the largest yeah. um uh, largest accommodation service in the world doesn't own any any properties and that was Airbnb and yeah. like they were spruiking it like it's a good thing because all these companies were making so much money and they didn't actually have any assets no 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 no, 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 no. were valued so high yes. they were making no money sorry you are you are correct yeah. their stock price was so strong yeah uh, but what we've come to find is that like with Uber, for example, the only reason why Uber is so cheap is because every single fare is subsidized by investors' money. Now, in a economic climate where interest rates are rising day after day after day, uh, all of a sudden that funny money is not available anymore because people are happy to invest big dollars at 0.1% interest. They're not happy to invest big dollars at 3%, 4%, 5%, and 6%. Yeah, there's a twofold thing there too because the future bond yield, and I, I might even bring up that that video after I finish this part. Yeah. Uh, the the bond yield, the ten year bonds that you can buy now are worth mega money now. Right. But the but the but the bonds that are maturing now are worthless. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yep. Now, uh, I can't show it. It's the scene. It's a scene from um, uh, what's that movie called with uh DiCaprio? Um, Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall and Street. And he's on the yeah. phone, you know, selling the shit stock. And he goes, the name of the stock, John, is Silicon Valley Bank. It lends money to semi-homeless software engineers who repay their loans with money they finesse from venture capitalists. (laughs) (laughs) So that nailed it. Okay, I'll continue. So Genevieve says, Silicon Valley Bank fails, makes it the second largest bank failure in US history and the largest bank failure since 2008. Buckle up, okay? Are other banks facing this problem? Absolutely take first republic bank its stock was down as much as 50 percent today on similar fears but has since recovered a bit now there's a big yeah it's scary when you see something at a high of what looks like 150 or almost 160 dollars now to 50 dollars yeah but the word contagion doesn't necessarily apply to the issues with bond portfolios this issue has little to do with the with its relationships with other banks it would be a problem regardless of SVVs dealing with any other banks. So that's isn't that interesting where, you know, when we talk about Australian banks and whenever they get that rate hike, it's always like, oh, the cost of getting money from overseas is like, it's more expensive. Yeah. It's all bullshit, but 
but they use that. Whereas this is saying, no, internally, if the bank stood on its own two feet, it would have failed anyway. Yeah. Interest rate risk is an inherent challenge of running a bank. However, a contagion could still be playing out. The potential failure of one bank can lead to many others failing just because of fear. Can we, pause, can we pause there for a second too? Uh, where, where she's talking about like interest rate risk is an inherent challenge of running a bank. How many times in the marketplace have you heard recently about, because obviously all consumers are complaining because of raising interest rates and every yeah. bank's like, oh, like, you know, bank rate, rates are always going to raise. Like, how did you not know rate? Like, you should have planned ahead for that. They could never stay at historic lows for so long. But what you're saying is banks didn't even account for this shit. Well, this is where this is where the conspiracy hat comes in. Much like what happened here in Australia, where we were told by our uh, Reserve Bank chairman, um, Philip Lowe. chairman, that they were not going to raise interest rates till 2025. Meanwhile, we've had ten rate rises in a row in 2020 from 22 to 23. Yeah, and it was also it wasn't so just. Pump but it also wasn't just like he gave us a metric too because it was it was we don't expect rates to start raising until 2024 when we start seeing real wage growth yeah. so real wage growth was the metric and then yeah. all of a sudden we so we've just raised rates again at the start of this month that's 10 straight rate rises now yeah what did i yeah. predict 12 i said 12 yeah. and what i think is going to happen now it'll be 12 and then i think it'll be two months off and then i think they'll start again and it'll yeah, go, I, I my, think you're right. I think the reserve rate will make it to 7.5%. That's my prediction. Yep, yep. Uh, I think you're pretty accurate. Uh, naturally, people who are looking at other banks uh, have potential weakness. First Republic and many others were identified early today. How many customers of these banks were fearful of withdrawing money? So bank stocks halted right now. Okay, so they've put us in... We have it in Australia, but I don't think it's ever kicked in. But in America, they've got like a... Uh, a trigger they can pull if the stock moves by too much they can actually switch the stock market off to try and mitigate any damage see I how is that okay it's not okay how is that like oh we got a free market we got a free market except when uh, a business we like is about to go down the toilet ah we'll just stop trading on them so you can't sell off I'll, I'll play devil's advocate it could be for a reason outside of their control and they they, they might need it might be moving so fast that they need to make a couple of calls and regather so that they can write the ship so mm. I, I, I can I can see both sides but I think free market should be the free market I, I absolutely think free market should be a free market and if it was we probably wouldn't be facing this position that we are about to face so bank stocks halted right now first Republic Bank Silicon Valley Bank Western Alliance Bank Corporation uh, Signature Bank PacWest Bank Hall this is a critical moment for banking with the entire economy. Is PacWest Many a, are... like, bizarro version of Westpac? Yes. Yes. It's Westpac <laughs> with a moustache. Yeah. Many are pointing out that the banks had bad business practices, are the only ones in danger here. Banks that have responsibly managed deposits and investments should, in theory, be safe. But here's this funny dichotomy, right? If you are safe, if you are doing everything right as a bank and mitigating this risk, the stock price will not show that yeah it might now in a catastrophe but these catastrophes only happen every 15 years right yeah yeah because no one will care they will want someone doing cool stuff that's what brings the investor capital in now the question as well is where's the regulators in this well that's coming that's coming right okay 
Many are also comparing this to 2008 with Lehman Brothers and Bear Stearns. One thing to keep in mind is that those institutions were investment banks and they're talk and we're talking about commercial banks that take in deposits. While commercial bank can certainly get in trouble, they can't have anywhere near the 31x leverage that Lehman had when it collapsed. <laughs> yeah, crypto can go to 99, so let's not get let's not get crazy. Uh, yeah, but, commercial- but, but, but crypto crypto doesn't pretend that it isn't the Wild West. Banks well, do. Actually- Lehman Brothers did not they they never did an ad with a cowboy hat on. Ever. But I do have to say this, like now that I said it, that's probably 31x leverage on the 99x they're allowed on the dollar deposit. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay. So what's so that? That's pretty- <laughs> you work that out. That's, that's beyond me, man. I'm a car dealer. <laughs> uh, okay, um, but commercial banks can certainly fail. Selling bonds at losses and realising losses on bad loans are two big problems banks are having right now. Okay, so the bonds... A bank should when a bank buys bonds as a security blanket because the way a bond works is that you have a set contract with a set interest rate in a period of time. So you buy a government bond. Yep. It might be three years, five years, ten years, two years, but you know exactly how much it's it's going to be. You know exactly what return you're going to get. Now bonds have been almost worthless over the last eight years right there's been no reason to buy bonds but banks have to kind of it's the only uh bit of security that they have yeah it's also a bit of you scratch our back we'll scratch yours from the government as well yeah for sure for sure so the contagion uh so the contagion could be a bevy of problems that hit many banks at once interest rate risk and losses on bad mortgage and customer loans for example so if the economy gets worse these banks could be in more trouble then we know that's coming but Silvergate and SVB did business with FTX, plus many other formerly overvalued tech companies that are now crashing back to earth. Now, don't forget, a lot of tech companies, if they're not down to 90%, uh, 90% of what they were of their highs, they're, they're heading there. Yeah. So imagine a 90% um, decrease on their market capitalization. We, I mean, think about it. We were looking at stock prices, what, a month ago, maybe two months ago, and interest rates are terrible for tech stocks. Because everyone investing in tech stocks is doing it because they're borrowing money to invest, like they're leverage trading at low interest rates. So yep. when we looked at those, all of those tech stocks that were down 60, 70, 80%, it's only gotten worse since then. Yeah, yeah. So um, she's she's posted up uh, American Banker just showing which banks were called up in uh, the FTX drama and it's mm-hmm. all the usual subset, suspects. Are big banks like Wells Fargo and JP Morgan in danger? Michael Barr, the Fed's vice chair for supervision, uh, supervision spoke on that yesterday. There are obviously larger institutions that are also exposed to these risks too, but the ex- uh, exposure tends to be a very small part of their balance sheet. So even if they, they experience the same deposit outflows, they are more insulated. Yeah, because What's- JP Morgan's insulated by the sex trafficking trade that they were facilitating for Jeffrey Epstein. Well, he might not be because I heard that he's had to... I think that information's been subpoenaed. <laughs> yeah. So what's cool. next? The markets... Isn't that, isn't that funny, though, that they'll get them for the financial part, but no one will ever go to jail for, you know, the rapey part. Oh, no one cares about the rape. Mm-hmm. They just care about the dollars. What's next? The markets will quickly identify the banks of large interest rate risk and too much leverage. And those banks will either shore up liquidity quickly or meet a similar fate as Silvergate. Now, shore up liquidity means 
asking around for money, right? Now, who's going to give them money? I I was literally going to say, who has money to give right now? Look, the rich have money. Don't worry about that. Rich have got money. Yeah. But who, who in their right mind would would uh, put the ri- any money in these turd businesses. The rich who have money are currently shorting these banks. Yeah, 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 100%. Yeah. Um, okay, so that, that was her reporting, and I, I think it was I think it was great. Yeah. Uh, it, now, it's huge, huge, huge news. Two banks in a week. Now, I have a particular feeling that... No, l- l- let me see what you think. I think there is a tie here with, you know, you were talking last week about central bank digital currency. Yep. And then I was talking about how crypto had a solution in place already being stable coins. Mm-hmm. Well, and the biggest stable coin um, company is called Circle. Yep. Circle has something like, oh, I'll see if I can find it. I think it's, I think it's, Fifty percent of their uh, uh, snow. Uh, they have. I thought I'd saved it. So, so what? Okay, your, the full yeah, list. No, 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 no. Sorry, you go, you go, you go. So I was going to say. So, so what you're referring back to is last week when you were saying how Circle had a product that would fit the need of the central bank digital currency already. And yep. I said, okay, so if that's already there, why aren't they using it? And that would be because it doesn't have certain control mechanisms in place that they want with these central bank digital currencies. Yeah, everyone's using it, just not the government. Yeah. So USDC is the... Um, I can't find it. I, sorry. But on oh, here we go. Breaking, okay, Circle of USDC has said that $3.3 billion of the $40 billion of USDC reserves are at Silicon Valley Bank. Okay, so what, what does a reserve mean? It means for every one USDC coin minted, so created, yep. there is supposed to be one US dollar sitting in reserve somewhere. Mm-hmm. So $3.3 billion is now gone. No, 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 no. $250,000 of that is insured. Yeah. I actually don't know if it covers you up to two fifty. I think if you're over two fifty, you're exempt. Oh, you get nothing. Oh, wow. You get nothing. You get nothing. That would make sense. So, so that's huge. So that yeah. was um, reported by Unusual Wales. Uh, so, Circles protecting USCC from black swan failure in the US banking system. SIVB is a critical bank and its failure without a federal rescue plan will have broader implications for business banking and entrepreneurs. And I'll, I don't think I don't think the public are going to cop another bailout. No way. But this no is way. this is the problem. You're right, and I think that the governments knew that the public would never cop another bailout, which is why they changed the laws to allow a bail-in. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because sure, it can, sure. it, it's not just Australia that has changed the laws in regards to bail-ins. Okay, so uh, this is an important thing to talk about Circle and USDC. What makes a stable coin stable is the peg. So, so as yeah. long as one USDC equals $1, everything's fine, Okay. Now this is what's 
this is what again and you i know bitcoin magazine has um has reported this they've just lost the peg and now it's only down for like five cents but that usually doesn't come back yeah and the reason is it's out of balance now because that 3.3 billion is gone Mm. so it's probably well as a percentage of what that it's probably very close to so they effectively they'll need to find 3.3 billion dollars to tip in someone will need to front 3.3 billion dollars to re-peg usdc yeah and who's got that money to and the the want to do that right now right so this is very 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 big news and and what's interesting too is a few days ago like alex and i we'd seen a few financial stories that we planned on speaking about today and none of it was this big stuff it was all little little things that we'd sort of picked up on right like little signals here yeah yeah like there's a story um out of western australia at the moment about the perth mint i have that i have that here. you've got that story yeah yeah, yeah do you, yeah, do you yeah, want to bring yeah. that up just um, we'll, just well bring... no, let me just do this let me just do this first okay uh, cool and we'll, we'll touch on that afterwards this guy has just tweeted i've only just noticed this but it's too good not to show so okay gonna make myself unpopular but on behalf of the rest of the world it's got it's got dot points ftx american owned slash funded BlockFi, american voyager american Genesis, American. Silvergate, American. SVB, American. USDC, American. Mm. They are all the, the companies that have failed pretty much this year. Yeah, wow. Okay, so the, the, it's it's a contagion. We are always uh, six months behind America. Now, in saying it, we, Australia is nowhere near as exposed to, to banking as what Americans are. Yeah. All right? And, and, I mean, you can attest to this, like, as far as ASIC, like what ASIC did with their um, uh, changing their finance rules. Yeah. If anything, our books are in better shape now than they were pre-GFC. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Like, there's been, there's been a lot of laws that have changed in the meantime. But it was also even... When was it? It might have been 12 to 18 months ago. I remember seeing something about banks being forced to up the percentage of deposits they actually hold do you remember this no i mean so, I, so, I see this being sold all the time and they never do it well, <laughs> they well, never do yeah it. Maybe, maybe you might be right but i do remember seeing it's something to do with the fractional reserve system obviously but banks in australia were being forced to raise more capital actually hold more capital like hold a higher percentage so i you know, I can't help but feel like the central banks and the governments, they saw this stuff coming years in advance. And one of the benefits, I guess, of Australia being so reliant on its banking system is maybe they were like, if we don't do something now to try to shore up the banking system, we're all completely stuffed. It's a very good point. Just a little quick side note. Um, when I went, you know, I told you my shit story of going to ANZ and setting up my business bank account for my new company. Yep. When she finished that hour of signing me up, guess what she offered me? A credit card? Yes. I told her there was no money to go in that account yet. I had to settle something first before I could fund that account. 
Yeah. And then and then I also told her that I'm literally only paying for twelve months because in a startup you there's no income. I've got, I'm not selling anything. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I have to build the thing first, and that's all cost. And I said, I said I can't get a credit card. I've, that that entity has no income, mm. so I can't service a loan. And she goes, Oh no, there's ways around it. We can get it. Yeah. <laughs> what? Are you asset backed? <laughs> that company's not. Yeah. Well, look, that's but that's the mentality, right? That's all. That's been the, and and this is part of the problem that we do have as well too. Is like like we've spoken about many times in recent months, especially in regards to financial stuff. What we are supposed to do right now to fix the economy is the polar opposite of what we've been told to do for the last fifteen years since the GFC to fix the economy. Yeah. For, for the last fifteen years, we were told spend 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 stimulate the economy get out there invest buy things go hard because it's good for everyone and now we literally should be doing the absolute polar opposite hold on to every single penny that you can you can hold on to because by doing that if you're not spending money you're not putting further inflationary pressure on the market which will hopefully help to stem a little bit of inflation because it will ease some of the supply and demand issues that we're experiencing. Yeah. Uh, it also means that banks aren't put into uh, nefarious positions where people are spending all of their deposits that they're currently holding. So it keeps them in a stronger position so they're less likely to fail, which then causes the cascade of other interventions like bail-ins that... Uh, they're referring to now like we're literally supposed to do the opposite of what we've been programmed to do for 15 years and that's why people just can't do it now i let's go to the gold story so this was a signal that jason sent to me earlier on in the week yeah. and he basically rings me and goes hey did you know that the perth mint got done diluting gold i was like mm. mm, no nah. and he's like oh, i'll have a look so i did some research on it and i actually found an abc in-depth uh, video about 44 minutes i watched the whole thing today yeah and it was funny because the dilution we're gonna play part, the whole 44 minutes for you no, right no, now the dilution part was only like seven minutes do you know why why the perth mint is government owned is state government owned. state government owned that's right yeah so i'll, I'll pull up the uh, i'll pull up the report here but I'll, i wanted there was a couple weird things about it that i want to show you as well yeah uh, okay, so here's the article here. Perth Mint diluted gold to China, got caught, and tried to cover it up. Uh, I'll see if I can make it bigger for you. Thank you. All right, do you want to read this one? Sure. The historic Perth Mint is facing a potential $9 billion recall of gold bars after selling diluted or, in quotes, doped bullion to China and then covering it up, according to a leaked internal report. Four Corners has uncovered documents charting the WA government-owned Mint's decision to begin doping its gold in 2018, and then how it withheld evidence from its largest client in an effort to protect its reputation. While the gold remained above broader industry standards, the report estimates up to 100 tonnes of gold sent to Shanghai Gold Exchange potentially did not comply with Shanghai's strict purity standards for silver content. One Perth Mint insider who asked not to be named as they could face five years jail if their identity is revealed says it is a scandal of the highest level. Uh, in quotes, I don't know if I've ever seen one this big, they say. The Mint is the largest processor of newly mined gold in the world. 
one of Perth's top tourist attractions and well known for producing commemorative coins to mark everything from royal weddings to a new James Bond film. Last year alone, it sold $20.3 billion in gold. It is the only mint in the world that has a government guarantee. But in recent years, the 124-year-old institution, officially known as Gold Corporation, has been plagued by a series of scandals. WA Premier Mark McGowan had ministerial responsibility for the mint for four years until March 2021. Doping the gold. Gold doping is a somewhat accepted practice in the industry and is not illegal, but is high risk for refiners as it lowers the quality of bullion by adding impurities like silver and copper. Trace amounts of these metals are permitted, but in Perth's, Perth Mint's plan to keep just within industry standard of 99.99% purity only left a minuscule margin of error. The Mint began doping its gold as a cost-saving measure in 2018, expecting to save up to $620,000 a year, a tiny fraction of its annual sales. I've also heard that a commonly used element is tungsten, because tungsten is actually the exact same weight as gold. Fun fact. Yeah, but tungsten is expensive too, but not as expensive as gold, obviously. Yeah. Within two years, this desire to save money would put the Mint at the centre of what may be one of the biggest gold scandals in Australian history. From the outset there were signs of trouble. Just months after the doping began, the report says refinery staff identified concerns that silver and copper levels may have exceeded those allowed by the Shanghai Gold Exchange. Despite... Yeah, this is, uh, you, you don't really need to, to, to read yeah. the rest. We, we sort of get the story. What I found interesting, right? So here is the link to the video. It's age-restricted. Mm. Then when I clicked on it, it brought me to another restriction screen. Right. And then I had to click my way through it to watch it, which I found really weird. Yeah, the it's like, are only, you sure you want to watch this? The only thing that I could... Uh, the only reason why I think it could be age-restricted is that there's a bikey gang member who looks terrifying. Right. Like, that's that's the only thing. Now, I'll, I'll let me play this quick clip from, um, from that ABC. It's the same reporter. Cool. Is a gold dealer in suburban Perth. On here, you have three main markings. At the top, you've got the Perth Mint's mint mark, and then underneath that, you have four nines. And what does the four nines mean? So the four nines means that it's 99.99% pure gold. We've never had it where we've been given less purity than what's on the bar. So people are really just trusting what they see here is what they're getting. That, that's absolutely correct. Uh, that, that is where the value come from is from the trust and reputation in the Perth Mint, as well as the quality of their gold and silver. For years, rumours have circulated in the gold market about quality problems at the Perth Mint, but there's never been any evidence until now. In 2018, unknown to its clients, it took the biggest risk of all. In an effort to save money, the Perth Mint started adding tiny amounts of silver to dilute its gold. The idea was to remain within industry standards, but only just. This is known as doping, and there's only a minuscule margin for error. So just just to show everyone, we're 32 minutes into a 44-minute video, and that's where they first started speaking about the mm. dilution. The whole rest of it was all about money laundering. Right, okay. It was all about money laundering. And this is the interesting thing for me. 
is that it seems that money laundering is only naughty when someone other than the government does it. Oh, of course. Of course. And your but... mate, Hugo, your mate is... Uh, where is he? Here he is. Richard Hayes wouldn't return my... Of these breaches, and that's common across all of these organisations that find themselves in this sort of predicament. The seriousness of the Austrac investigation—it's not a fraud issue or a um, impropriety issue or anything of that. This is Mark McGowan, the audio listeners, the uh, premier of uh, Western Australia. It's some sort of administrative uh, failing, Um, but I'm sure they'll rectify it as soon as they can. Pause it. Can you replay that clip again? Watch the guy's face that's standing behind him. Now the seriousness of the Austrac investigation. It's not a fraud issue or a um, impropriety issue or anything of that nature. It's some sort of administrative uh, failing. That's a tell and a half. He licked his lips and then twisted like like cricked his neck. Yeah. Like, okay, he tries to play it off as an administrative issue. It is how they are mixing their gold with silver. Admin doesn't do that. Admin does the paperwork. No, you've lost it again. You're on the wrong track. They don't give a fuck about that. It's about Oztrack. The system would not... So, people were going and buying. They've got footage. I'll see if I can find the guy. They've got footage of... Basically, the head of this bikey gang, yeah. who's got a. There you go. This is this is this is the fella here. That chap is one of. <laughs> so this guy, for audio <laughs> listeners, has the fattest chain gold chain you've ever seen in your life around his neck. Apparently, it's yeah. two hundred fifty grand. And he's got tattoos over his entire nah, face. He thought it was 250 grand, but he bought it from the Perth Mint, so it's only 200 grand. Well, what was hilarious about this article is that they've got footage of him. You buy it from the gift shop. You buy the gold from the gift shop. Right. He bought like... Oh, they, no, they didn't know because their system doesn't track it. Um, they, The reporter got in touch with this guy and asked, Oh, I'm just putting a story together about the Perth Mint, and uh, we know that you were there on blah 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 day. Um, what were you there to do? He goes buy gold. He's like, okay. And how much did you buy? Thirty six thousand dollars worth. Like he just told them. Wow. And um, not only that, it's used for money laundering for um, uh, Russian oligarchs. Now, I want to say this. I want to say this. I find it so interesting that the primary focus of just about everything we do in Australia with, in terms of money is purely centered around counter-terrorism, which no one, no one does terrorism anymore, yep. so counter-terrorism, and anti-money laundering, right? Those are the mm-hmm. two prongs. So that, that dilution that you spoke about, which, which could actually cause massive rifts between us and China... In a way, we've tried to rip China oh, it, off. It also destroys so, you know, our international think about reputation. Geopolitically, what that does. Yep, yep. But all, even this article was an example. Out of forty-four minutes, thirty-eight of it were about money laundering. Mm. The rest of it is all about now. Um, they even interviewed a guy who who's a gold dealer, 
and they and the first question they ask and the reason why i'm sensitive to this is because it's exactly the same thing they say about crypto yeah they go and say oh it's it's what like uh, elizabeth warren she's just like it's just used for bitcoin it's just used for um like drug deals and you know and it's like well do you know what else is used for all the nefarious things that you're talking about your dollars yeah yeah like your and your banks are doing it or mm-hmm. like ftx and silvergate all those guys they were all compliant to their rules yeah. and look what happened yeah yeah so your rules don't work yeah and yet you and yet the the, the external these offshore companies that are doing stuff that you don't like are somehow thriving like explain that to me yeah i don't get that it's by design it has to be right it one one of be. the other favored uh, forms of money laundering slash tax evasion is fine art. The amount of uh, artworks that never get displayed because they currently sit in a warehouse and are valued at a certain amount and just get exchanged between rich people's hands when it suits them. It's a really good way yeah. of avoiding tax. See, that reminded me of, and I thought you were going to bring it up. I kind of left a left the bait out there and I, d- I didn't get a bite which is albo's uh tax on superannuation and i wanted to get oh, yeah. your thoughts on it mm-hmm. well so, i wanted to get your thoughts on it oh it's okay this is this is my thought on it the labor Actually, bit, of back, bit of backstory what's the yeah. tell us what the story is so the labor government is looking at putting an additional tax on superannuation balances over three million dollars and their claim to the australian people is that oh it's only going to affect rich people uh but look there's a there's a lot that goes into this number one superannuation is not voluntary so you can't you can't go and change the rules after the fact on something that is compulsory, in my opinion. Yeah, that that's yeah, one of the that's things. That's, right. So you can't yeah. go, hey, you have to pay in nine point five percent. They're they're also trying to up the um, superannuation percentage to fifteen percent. They've already spoken about it. Yeah. So so they're trying to increase the amount of money that you are forced to pay into it, and then they're trying to say, oh, but if you have too much money, we're going to take a high percentage off you. So it's basically legalized theft from the government. So that's one thing. The other problem that we've got too, and this is something that's sort of, it's completely related, but completely different to what we've been sort of recently speaking about is uh, Western nations all around the world and, and some Eastern nations too, we are having massive population issues in that everyone's population is aging at a rapid rate and we are not replacing that population because the younger generations are having less and less children. So he's, it's a it's a double-edged sword because on the one hand, uh, anyone who's investing into their super, the government's plan is to tax more of it, which means you will retire with less money available in your super for you to live off. And on the other hand, you will also not have younger workers who are taxpayers who are going to pay for retirement benefits. So you will end up having no pension and no super. Like it's a double yeah, sword. Yeah, it's, it's not that bad because the only people that are affected by it, like they're, they're not getting a pension anyway. What, what, but what this mean? is what I wanted. To, well, because if you've got $3 million in super, if, if you, I think if you've, currently if you've got a million dollars worth of assets, you don't get a pension. Yeah, it's called drip feeding, Alex. 
you start with the three million dollars and then you're just you just oh, yeah, you a little bit i don't think so they they're uh they're setting this target for 2025 so i think you've got a couple of years before this comes into effect because in my view no one will no one will pay a dollar more on their investments in their superannuation Right. I don't think so. The people that have that much invested are smart people. They have very talented money managers. Yeah, they will make it go away. They will not. This will do nothing. This was a way that Labor government could tell their poor, lefty, um, socialist base that hey, we're taxing the rich. How good? Yeah, are we? yeah. Not that's one. That's, that's a good point. Not one dollar extra will come out of this. Not one. Mm. Yeah. Not one. Yeah, it's really. Good I reckon, point. and and I don't know exactly what the function would be, but I I reckon if if I sat down for half an hour, I could figure out three or four to be like, oh, just move the money that from there to there, and and reclassify that one, and, and yeah, and, and gift this to your kid or like, yeah. But but it, it also it would not generate one dollar more. It also speaks to the wider theme of everything that's going on that we've just been speaking about. So. Why is it that the Labor federal government is trying to raid people super? Why is it that the WA government-owned Perth Mint is trying to save money by mixing silver into their gold? Like, why is it that all of these things seem to be happening at the same time? And the answer is, we are broke. We have yes. we are leveraged to the tits. Yeah, we, yeah. We with and we're scrambling, and you're talking and about the West, the West, the entire the West, that's Western right. financial system. Yeah, absolutely. And I've even like the most leveraged state in the country is Victoria, and I've been following a lot of stuff that's happening down there at the moment. And there was a story recently about a big infrastructure project, which I think is just going to be cancelled because there's not enough money put aside for this infrastructure project. Now everyone knows that Dan Andrews has been on this massive. Uh, infrastructure spending spree over his I don't know when when did he get elected 2014 or whatever it was Uh, like he's got these massive projects in mind now as we've outlined before the whole reason why he does is because there's this big revolving door of like Labor government approves all these overpriced infrastructure projects which then get built by union workers which then pay their memberships because you can only get those uh, jobs at those work sites if you're a union member and then a percentage of their union membership goes back to the Labor government. It's this big revolving circle of money, right? Yeah. But the problem is uh, you can't just keep going further and further and further and further into debt. And in Victoria, Victoria's actually got more state debt than uh, Queensland, New South Wales and Tasmania combined. Yeah. And what's happened? The Reserve Bank started raising interest rates. So they had, they had, um, they thought that the interest bill was going to be serviceable because they thought like everyone else, rates aren't going to go up until 2024. We can worry about it down there and kick the can down the road. Now, overnight, bang, interest rates have gone up and that affects the states hugely. So, so this is the problem. Like, and, and, and something to think about with this is all of this comes from mismanagement. Every single issue we are facing right now and every single scandal we've just outlined comes from mismanagement. Because at the end of the day, everyone... It's tries- mismanagement of systems. It's mismanagement of systems. Yes. And that's why 
That's why I think my ethos is correct. Look after yourself. Look after yourself. You have to know this stuff. You can't say that it was a surprise because any listener to this show, now you've been warned. And I do want to play a clip. Like, this is a... I suggest... I'll send you the link to this so you can post it in the notes. Yep. Ray Dalio. Okay, so he is a hedge fund guy. This video is a year old. Okay, and now... I was thinking about it the other day. I watched this a year ago when it first came out. I was really excited about it. And I was like, oh, he knew this. Right. Now, let me, let me play this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just... The changing world order. The times ahead will be radically different from those that we've experienced in our lifetimes, though similar to many times before. How do I know that? Because they always have been. Over my roughly 50 years of global macroeconomic investing, I've learned the hard way that the most important events that surprised me did so because they never happened in my lifetime. These painful surprises led me to study the last 500 years of history for similar situations where I saw that they had indeed happened many times before with the ups and the downs of the Dutch, British, and U.S. empires. And every time they did, it was a sign of the changing world order. That's where we're at now. Yep. That's literally where we're at. So. Can, can, I, can I rewind us back 12 months ago? Just before the war in Ukraine kicked off, and we were discuss like we we were saying back then we didn't think it was going to happen. We were like, no, nah, everyone's just like yeah. blustering, and you know we we didn't really probably give it the the credit that it deserved. But one of the concerns I had back then was I was like, in my opinion, when I when I look at all of this stuff that's happening around the world, the U.S. is a failing economic power, and they know it, and they've known it for a long time. They've probably known it for at least a decade, if not longer. Mm. And the only tool that the US had left in its tool belt was its military. And I had a real concern that they were just going to plunge themselves into war, both with Russia and with China, because it's the last ace that they've got left up their sleeve. It's all they got, yeah. And and this probably does segue us a little bit into the, the things that have been sort of released this week. Like, literally all of a sudden... So think about the last few weeks of headlines that you might have seen. Number one, Chinese spy balloons going over over the U.S., uh, invading their sovereignty. Uh, now you've got uh, all of the leaks coming out, like lab leak. Oh, FBI has said lab leak is a thing. The Department of Energy has said lab leak is the most likely origin. I just saw today, Congress voted unanimously to unclassify the uh, all the intelligence documents on the lab leak now you might see this as a victory like our viewers in particular we're red pillars we're we're, like most of you will see this as a victory I don't because at the end of the day we already knew all of this stuff and all of this stuff is being released right now for two reasons the first reason is like I said before the COVID heist is done 
the money has been made, there is the customers aren't lining up anymore, there is no reason to keep uh, flogging this dead horse because if only 16% of the US has had a booster, that means 0% is going to get the next one. So the money's yep. been made, right? So now... I know that there's the deals have been done in Ukraine too. So that's why I said a few months ago that I think this the Ukraine war will be over this year because the deals have been done. BlackRock is uh, assisting Ukraine in the rebuild of, it, of the country after the war is over. Like, the deals are done. The money's been made. Again, the military-industrial complex has had their drink. So they're looking for the next one. So all of these stories you're seeing now, Chinese spy balloons... Wuhan lab leak, blah, blah, blah. It is all to stoke anti-China sentiment because China is the next red herring which is going to justify the spending of taxpayer dollars into the military-industrial complex. Now, there's also... Sorry, I just, just want to say too, there's another element to this which I think no one thinks about. And that is... I think that America and China are in cahoots. Right. I think the best way for America... Because at the end... Like, look at America and China. In spite of their faults, both countries are doing remarkably well. The US produces nothing but culture and yet is still an economic powerhouse in the world. And we know that the economic like the economy is built on a fucking house of cards of bullshit of ponzi schemes mm-hmm. right but it still continues to function extremely well china on the flip side is this pariah in the world as a communist state but the thing that people don't realize about china is their middle class uh, sorry middle class has actually grown exponentially in the last 10 years And the only reason why the zero COVID policy actually was removed in China was because the middle class was ready to revolt. And that's never happened in China's history before. And that only has happened because enough people in China have been lifted out of poverty. I think that these two countries, America and China, are actually in cahoots because as long as everyone thinks that they are enemies then both of them will ally 50% or whatever percentage of the world so if you if you foster that conflict yeah. between the two of them everyone else is going to pick a side which means yeah. as long as they coordinate things between each other they get to control the game yeah yeah i i, I think that's definitely a possibility i know that um the EU... See, I, I, I can make some predictions too. I think the... I think Europe as a whole has no say in the game. They're too weak. Agreed. But EU broken up and France or Germany or alliance between France, Germany, Norway, Sweden, for example. Like yep. if you redistributed the EU to only the strong parts. So you had Northern Europe as the strong ones and you had Southern Europe. So yeah, uh, AUN and AUS. Yep. The northern part of the euro would be extremely economically strong. Yep. And it would be a player with America, China, Russia. Yep. I think, don't forget, Saudi's got all the oil. 
Saudi is talking to China. See, I never think the one the one will never be the petrodollar. It won't. Okay, because because they're just as inflated as what the US dollar is. So that's not the answer. And do you know Saudi's the other, got the oil. Do you know the other reason why that's the case, in my opinion? That the Chinese don't want one to be like they don't want to become the petrol one. They don't. Because the whole reason why Chinese the Chinese economy is going as well as it is is because they are cheap. If you become the petrol one, well, guess what? No one's going to be doing the manufacturing over there. You're too expensive. Like, there's already companies that are outsourcing things instead of to China, to India, because as the middle class increases, the cost increases as well. So a lot of the things that have made China successful over the last two decades is already starting to be pulled away from them. I don't think they want to become any more expensive than they already are. So who's who's in BRICS? Russia, India, China. Who's the B? Brazil, I think. Brazil. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a pretty solid alliance right there. You know, yeah. They, but but think about it, right? So when when you overlay my Chimerica agreement into that, mm-hmm. all the people, all the countries that have aligned with China, are not aligned with America already. True. Yeah, it's true. So, so in other words, if these two guys are intertwined, they get to control literally the entire world between them. Yeah. And you keep these these tensions up between Mm. the two of you because... It's all fake. It's fake. It's fake. It's all pantomime. Yeah, they're the the two big dogs that everyone gets behind and they pick their dog in the fight. But at the end of the day, they're shaking hands behind the scenes and going, hey, we've, we've got this all locked up. Because I can the... throw another potential situation out there. Okay. What else could be the global currency? What is what is one of the only currencies out there that crosses borders and is based on something more than what any other current currency is, maybe besides the Swiss franc, which I still think is backed by gold. Unvaccinated sperm. Which is also known as White Gold. Bitcoin. <laughs> there is there is a, a Hardcore Bitcoiners have said it. Now, I think there is a 0.0000001% chance, but there's not no chance. You could make, there is a case that could be made where theoretically the world's currency, it would be the fairest situation in the world. It would be good for the entire world if the global currency was, was Bitcoin. I'm not saying that everyone has Bitcoin, but the peg becomes Bitcoin. Yeah. So any everyone's currency is in relation to Bitcoin. Now, not in its current state. At it, at its current state, at like you know, fluctuating between eighty and twenty. I'm talking when a Bitcoin is is a million dollars or ten million dollars. Yep. There is a there is a possibility where it would actually be a good thing for the world if everyone was pegged to Bitcoin. For sure, it's not using it. Just like the same as like we don't, you know, you and I don't invest in US dollars. Yep. Um, or or gold, but. If, if everything was a denomination of or based off whatever Bitcoin's price was. It would give the world stability because at the end of the day, it is actually, in the world, it is the only true finite resource. Yep. And like, yep. So let's talk about the Perth Mint. What is the Perth Mint's role? They take gold, which is dug out of the ground by gold miners... And they sell it. 
So gold used to be the gold standard and everyone's like, oh, because gold is scarce and it's valuable. But if you can dig it out of the ground, well, it's not, it's not scarce because you can make more of it. At the end of the day, once all the Bitcoin are mined, is, is the total number, is it 21 million? 21 million, yeah. Yeah. So once it hits 21 million Bitcoin, that's it forever. There is no more. It's built into the system. It is the only finite resource on the planet. So if you and can peg currencies to, to Bitcoin, it. then you get more stability. This was, um, I wish this would, I wish I was pre-prepared for this, but there was something I was reminded of today. So when Satoshi Nakamoto made Bitcoin and released it to the world uh, in 2009 after the global financial crisis. Now, arguably we're coming back right back into another one. Yeah. So in a way, my head goes, Bitcoin should just go through the roof now. But like you said, there's, no one's got any money. And just because it's the right thing to do doesn't mean that's going to happen. However, yeah, sorry, there sorry. was... All, yeah. I, do, I do want to say though, when you say no one's got any money, like I was saying, my gut tells me that every single whale investor is going to be tipped off that there's bank runs coming. They're going to pull all of their money out. The value of currencies is going to um, debase incredibly, which means these people are going to be looking for safe harbor for that money. And Bitcoin does become safe harbor. There is, I can't find... Okay, so when Satoshi Nakamoto sent the first ever transaction to Hal Finney and embedded in the transaction was a message and the message was uh the message was it was the um okay chancellor on brink of second bailout for banks is what was embedded into the first ever transaction on the bitcoin blockchain which was what was on the front of the Times newspaper in 2009. Right. Right? Yeah. yeah. How powerful a message is that? Yeah. Yeah. And I think we should leave it there. For sure. Guys, thanks very much for joining us. Keep your eyes on the finance markets. We'll see you next week. <laughs>